Today on Living in the Word with Dr. Gary Yates. The house of David would be reduced to a tree stump. It's dead. It's done. There's no life there. But in the future, a king, a ruler, will emerge as a sprig, and he will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the kind of king that God meant for Israel to have. I'm Gary Yates, the pastor of Living Word Baptist Church in Forest, Virginia. We are continuing our study of the biblical covenants, and this is our third and final presentation on the Davidic covenant, which is especially important to us as Christians because of the way it points us to Jesus as the promised Messiah, the foundational text, really the, the, the key, the seed to all of this and these uh, expectations of a future David uh, is 2 Samuel 7. And that passage and others related to it give us this promise of the Davidic covenant that David's throne and David's kingdom would endure and last forever. Uh, even the Babylonian exile, uh, even the end of the kingdom of Judah and the end of the Davidic kingdom when Jerusalem fell in 586 BC did not mean the end for those covenant promises that the Lord had made to the house of David. The Lord uh, will restore and resume the house of David. And we're looking in this presentation at how the Old Testament prophets and the book of Psalms in a special way highlight the promise of a future Davidic king who will fulfill those promises that God has made to David. So that's the big question here. How do we see a future hope for the house of David in the Old Testament prophets first and then in the Psalms? So the idea here uh, is that the covenant isn't ended because of the judgment uh, that took place when the kingdom uh, fell. There's a promise of a future David in the future and, and one of the places that uh, we see that is in the Old Testament prophets. So let's, let's take a few minutes and look at the message of the prophets. Before, during, and after the exile, God sent prophets to Israel. And there are at least 20 passages uh, in the Old Testament prophets that speak of an ideal Davidic ruler that would come in the future, after the time that Israel was sent away into exile. The, the exile would happen, there would be a return, a restoration, and there would be a future king. Now, the prophets didn't refer to that figure as Messiah, and, and they didn't receive revelation about everything that we know about Messiah in light of Jesus in the New Testament. They were sometimes looking more for the resumption of the Davidic line and the Davidic dynasty rather than one single ruler. They were primarily looking for a human Messiah rather than a divine Messiah. They didn't you know, fully understand that Messiah would be both God and man, and as a result of that would reign forever. There wasn't a clear understanding that the mission of Messiah would involve his suffering and death. And, and remember that even Jesus' own disciples didn't really understand that when Jesus was telling them that he would uh, suffer and die and then rise again. So there's a lot of things that the prophets didn't know. But what the prophets did know, that as God had revealed this to them, is that he would keep this covenant with the house of David, the Davidic kingdom would endure forever, 
And, and one day there would be this ideal Davidic king who would be everything that God had intended uh, you know, David and his sons to be. Uh, this would be the ideal. Now, that ideal king never appeared in history when the Davidic kings ruled in Jerusalem. Uh, they would keep looking for the next king to maybe be the fulfillment. Maybe it's the next one that would be the ideal ruler. Sort of like being a Cubs fan. Well, maybe next year we will win the World Series, something like that. They kept looking, but none of those kings met the ideal. All of the Davidic kings in history had failed in significant ways. God had promised that the Davidic kings would reign over the nations, and, and none of the kings had ever really fulfilled that promise or lived up to the righteous ideal that God had for what these kings were supposed to look like. So we, go, we come to the prophets. The book of Isaiah is often referred to as the fifth gospel because it has several key prophecies concerning this future Davidic king. And, and we, we're, we're used to hearing a lot of these passages at Christmas time. Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given. A royal son is coming, this future ideal Davidic ruler. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2 is an especially important uh, prophetic passage about this future ruler. And it says there, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This king would be empowered by God's Spirit, who would be a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. What that passage is saying is that in the, in the judgment of exile, the house of David would be reduced to a tree stump. And it looks like there's, it's dead, it's done, there's no life there. But in the future, a king, a ruler, will emerge as a sprig or a shoot out of that dead stump, and he will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the kind of king that God meant for Israel to have. He will ultimately bring righteousness, justice, and peace, not just to Israel, but ultimately to all nations. And so Isaiah 11 talks about the lion laying down with the, lying down with the lamb and the little child sitting near the, 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 the hole of the, the poisonous snake and those kinds of things. There will be peace and harmony because of the rule of this king. Now, there's a similar idea and imagery used in the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 22 and, 20, and 33, 23 and 33 speak of the king that will come in the future as a righteous branch. Different word, but same basic idea. A righteous branch, probably referring to a legitimate heir from the line of David who will rule. And notice that he will be a righteous branch. The name of the last king of Judah sent away into exile was Zedekiah. The Lord is my righteousness. He had not lived up to that name, but this future king would truly be a righteous ruler and uh, so there's a, there's a future branch that's coming. And uh, when we go and uh, we, we look at the book of Zechariah that comes later, the prophet Zechariah knows about Jeremiah's prophecies, and he makes reference to this future branch in Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 6. Now, the prophet Ezekiel, uh, important messianic prophecy here. Ezekiel 34 says that in the future, God's servant David will be the shepherd over his people. 
Okay, not talking about the historical David resurrecting or anything like that. Talking about the future Davidic king. He will shepherd his people. And he will lead the people in the right way. And he will not be like the corrupt shepherds and kings and leaders in Ezekiel's day. So the king will be a shepherd. Ezekiel 37, 24 says the same thing. John 10, likely under the influence of Ezekiel, says that Jesus is the good shepherd, and, and as the Messiah, he will even lay down his life for the sheep. Uh, that's the kind of shepherd he will be. Micah 5 says that the future ruler will come from Bethlehem. Again, a prophecy that we know from Christmas. So this future ruler will come from Bethlehem just like David, and Jesus fulfills that prophecy. Now, as the prophets continue their ministry, when the exile is over and the people are back in the land, Zechariah is one of these post-exilic prophets. And Zechariah gives us an important messianic prophecy, Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. And here's what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off and he will speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from, from the river to the ends of the earth. So the ideal and the promise will finally be realized, universal kingdom. But the first part of this passage was fulfilled at the first coming of Jesus. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, to present himself as the, the righteous, humble, peaceful king of Israel. The last part of this passage about the universal reign will be fulfilled when he returns at his second coming to rule over his kingdom on earth. So the prophets let us know very clearly that exile, captivity, even the end of the Davidic dynasty does not mean that the Davidic covenant is over. There is still a future king coming that will fulfill those promises that were given to David back in 2 Samuel 7. Now, the second part of this presentation is, I want us to look at the Psalms in the same way. And the book of Psalms, just like the prophets, highlights the same promise. There is a continuing, abiding, ongoing hope of a future king who will fulfill the promises that God made to David. Now, Psalm 2 was an important psalm for the early church, because of how it pointed to Jesus. Now, we talked about this in an earlier presentation. Psalm 2 was also for the Davidic kings in history on the day of their coronation. As they came to the throne, this was a psalm and a prayer that would be prayed over them. But that psalm also promised that the Davidic king would reign over the nations. Remember, Psalm 2, 8, and 9. Ask of me, I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That was a, that was a prayer for these kings in the past. But no Davidic king who ruled uh, in the past actually ruled over the nations in the way that this passage promises. For this promise, for this ideal to ever be fulfilled, there had to be a future Davidic king. And Jesus is the only son of David who will ever rule over the nations. So the Psalms are pointing to the same hope as the prophets. The really interesting thing about this promise in passages like Psalm 2 
is that the Psalms as a book, you know, when they were put together as a book in their final form, were not put in their final form until the post-exilic period. This is when the Jews came back to the land. They left the Psalms in the book and even put Psalm 2 in the front as an introduction when there was no king on the throne. There's no, there's no Davidic king reigning in the land, and yet they are still talking uh, about a Davidic king ruling under the nations. They're under foreign rule and oppression. These Psalms sound kind of embarrassing. Why not just take them out of the book? Well, they left them there because these Psalms are reflecting that they still believe that there would be a future Davidic king who would reign over the nation. The hope is still there. It hasn't disappeared. We see the same hope when we read a prayer about Solomon over in Psalm 72, verses 8 to 11. It says, May he have dominion from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish of the, and of the coastlands render him tri- tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts to him. May all kings fall, fall down before him. May all nations serve him. You know, it starts out as a prayer for Solomon, who did have a bit of an empire, but it ends up being a promise that can only be fulfilled by Jesus as the Messiah. One of the other Psalms that was important in the New Testament is Psalm 110. This was important for the early church. And in that Psalm, the Davidic king is enthroned at the right hand of God. He will be a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and he will crush his enemies and make them into his footstool. So as we look at the fulfillment of that in the, you know, the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, Jesus is not a king who reigned on earth, but when he ascended into heaven as the risen Lord, he takes his seat at the right hand of the Father, and he's ruling and reigning today. There's a present aspect that these promises of the rule of, of David over the nations is being fulfilled today. It will be fulfilled in an even greater way when Jesus rules here on earth over his earthly kingdom. So in the, in the New Testament, Psalm 2 is not just a coronation psalm for kings in the past. Like When we read the Gospels in the book of Acts and other places, Psalm 2 is an announcement that a new king has arrived. And, and we see the coronation of a new king in the first coming of Jesus, and we see the consummation of his rule in the second coming. And, and so Psalm 2 will be referenced in a number of places in relationship to Jesus, both his first and second coming. At the baptism of Jesus, as Jesus comes out of the water, the voice from heaven says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, Mark 1.11. And that recalls Psalm 2.7, you are my son. You know, the desert is a strange place for a coronation, but a new king is here And the baptism of Jesus as he enters into his public ministry is the beginning of that kingdom. At the transfiguration of Jesus, Matthew 17, Mark chapter 9, we see the divine glory of the new king and a voice again from heaven. This is my son. Listen to him. He has power. He has authority. The kingdom has arrived because the Messiah has arrived. At the resurrection and exaltation of Jesus, his ascension into heaven, Acts 13, 33, Another quote of Psalm 2, you are my son, today I have begotten you. You have entered into that you know, kingdom reign, and the resurrection proves 
that Jesus is both son of God and son of David. Finally, at the second coming of Jesus, Revelation 19, verses 13 to 15, quoting Psalm 2.9, another quote of Psalm 2. Jesus will strike the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. So, you know, the end result of all of this is when we study the covenants, we understand and we grasp in a better way how the story of the Bible, how it all fits together and comes together in the person of Jesus. The Davidic covenant, the prophets, and the Psalms help us to more fully grasp what it means that Jesus is the the promised Messiah. The prophets and the Psalms promise that. And Jesus is the one who fulfills those promises. Thank you for joining us at Living Word Press and hope to see you again soon.